And so, but tonight we're going to talk about prayer, um, and the, the title is Praying the Bible, and that's the title of the book. And as I said, um, tonight we're not really going to touch on the book a lot, but I want to get you a copy. They're, they're out on the table out there, so you can grab one after the service. Really simple read, um, but just a really great concept when it comes to seeing your prayer life enhanced um, and how you talk to the Lord and what you talk to the Lord about and the way that you think about Him when you're talking to Him. And it was, it was really neat how Rand, Rand's message this morning went right along with what we are going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. And so I do hope that you'll take the book and you'll read it. I pray you'll come back next Sunday night because this is really part A of two parts. And next week we'll really talk about the, the concept or the method that he kind of unpacks in this book. Um, and as I read it, um, I gave it to somebody else to read and they really liked the concept as well. And so I just think it could be helpful. Who here would say that at times you felt stuck in your prayer life? Like you know you need to pray, but you just don't, you don't know, like it, it just seems like it's so basic, right? That I'm just talking to God about the same things over and over again in the same ways, using the same words even. And when we get stuck in that rut or routine, um, prayer becomes discouraging. And prayer was never meant to be discouraging. Prayer was a gift that was given to us by God to communicate with him. And so I do think um, that this, this book and the, the concept within it will be a great kickstarter to our prayer lives as we think about just revamping our prayer life and our communication with God. Um, I want to ask you a question, and then while you think about the question, we'll have a word of prayer. And, and I, just, I do want you to, to really put some thought into this, and I'm not even sure that we're going to ask for an answer, because it's kind of a personal question that I think is best for us to, to just evaluate uh, in our own hearts and our own lives. And the question is just simply this. If you were to rate your prayer life on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being a bad prayer life or a poor prayer life, 10 being, you know, you're, you're in that spirit of prayer that the Bible talks about, where would you fall? Um, and then you may say, and I, I mentioned this this morning, you may say, I pray a lot. But praying a lot and having a good prayer life really could be two different things. And so it's not, as I said, it's not just the, the quantity of the time you spend praying, but it's the quality of the time you spend praying. It's, it's if you're really communing with God. Um, and I think we can, even, even good Christians, right? You're here on a Sunday night, a rainy Sunday night. You're, you're the good crowd. Um, we can get into this rut where we think we're communing with God when in reality we're most of the time just telling God what we want him to do. And prayer is more than that. Prayer is, is really aligning our heart with his heart. It's understanding what his will is for our life. Now, is there a place in prayer for, for requests and supplication and intercession? Absolutely. But there's also a, a lot of other portions of prayer that need to be a part of our prayer lives as well. And so I would ask you to think about that question. Again, I'm not going to ask you to give an answer to that, but I would ask you to seriously consider uh, how, how well are you doing in your prayer life? If if prayer really is talking to God, and we believe it is, right? It's, it's us communing with our Heavenly Father. How much are we taking advantage of that gift that He has given us? And so let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll kind of jump into this uh, topic this evening. We're going to be in several different passages, um, but again, hopefully it'll be a help to us as we think through this. God, we thank you for this evening that we can gather uh, in your house. We thank you for the, the message that we heard this morning by Rand and uh, just the truths, again, that were outlined to us. And God, they're simple truths, uh, but they're truths that you have given to us in your word. You, you've called us to be a people who study your word and a people who 
pray and, and speak with you as our Heavenly Father. And I pray that, that we would take these things seriously tonight. I, I do pray that as we go through um, several different passages of Scripture tonight, that our hearts would understand and, and be opened and almost enlightened to the reality of the pleasure that prayer truly can be for us as believers. And I pray that, that we would not just think of prayer as this thing we do and we need something or we find ourselves in a difficult spot. Certainly, prayer is for those times, but prayer is also for every other time of life. When we're in a season of rejoicing, when we're in a season of, of, of feasting, so to speak, God, we're still called to come to you and lift up our voices in praise and prayer. And so I, I do pray that our hearts would be helped tonight as we think through these things and that you would just give us uh, wisdom as we look into our own lives. God, I think, or I pray even as we think about the, the type of prayer life that we have, that we would be honest with ourselves. I know sometimes it's easy uh, when you have to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 to always lean towards the upper end of the scale. Uh, but God, I, I pray that we would be honest if we're not there, and that we would put the effort in, the spirit-driven effort, um, to have a prayer life that, that would be exemplary, to have a prayer life that, that's being profitable, um, that, that's giving us grace and strength for every day. We thank you again for the time that we can meet. We ask that you'd be with us now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And so as you think about that question, I, I don't want to start the night off just by, by being discouraging. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm not even on the scale, right? Like I've, I, I, I rate my prayer life honestly. Um, I shouldn't even be allowed in church. And, and that's not what my desire was to start off on a negative note. But I do think it's important for us to assess our own lives at time, right? Because as I said just a moment ago, we can often think that we're doing better than we really are um, because we get comfortable where we're at. And when we're comfortable, we feel good. And when we feel good, we think to ourselves, hey, we're not doing anything wrong. But a lot of people have gotten themselves in a lot of trouble in life by being comfortable with where they're at. And so when it comes to our prayer life, when it comes to our walk with the Lord, we, we don't ever really want to be comfortable in the sense that we're complacent. Certainly, we want to be comfortable in His presence as He is our Father and we're talking to Him, but we don't want to be complacent in the, the, the gifts that He has given us in our Bible reading and prayer. And so as I said earlier, and I, I think I said it again tonight, the idea of, of a, a good prayer life or a prosperous prayer life or a successful prayer life, it, it doesn't really have as much to do with quantity as it does with quality. And, and I think sometimes... I have heard people pray short and simple prayers, and it was more powerful than if somebody waxed eloquent for two hours in a prayer. Why? Because their heart was in it. And I think that makes the difference. When your heart is in this idea of prayer, then, then your prayers are going to be genuine. Your prayers are going to be sincere. But if you're just going through the religious motions, um, then you, you are going to do what Rand talked about this morning. You're, you're going to get your reward, and what is your reward? You're being seen in the eyes of men. You can say, hey, I prayed for this long, uh, but what did you pray about and who did you talk to? Now, I think, as I said again this morning, the, the same is also true that when the quality gets there, then the quantity gets there as well. When you really get to a place where you're enjoying your prayer life, you're going to want to talk to God more. It's, it's the same in any relationship. When you meet somebody and, and you get to know them, the conversations at first are a little short, right? They're, they're kind of surface level. But then you find yourself sitting down at a coffee shop with this person, and you're like, oh my goodness, it's been three hours, right? We, we've just been talking nonstop for three hours, and you're like, I, I've got to get back to my daily life. And I think that's honestly how God desires our prayer life to be, that it's, it's a sweet communion with him where we're not having to force ourselves to do it, but we're saying almost, I got to stop so I can do other things. 
And, and I think as Paul talks about having the spirit of prayer, it's not that we actually have to stop. It, it may be the formal setting of prayer changes, right? We're not on our knees or, or sitting in our chair going through a specific list. But when that sweet communion with God is there, prayer becomes something that you do throughout your day. It, it's, it's an ongoing back and forth conversation where you are praying and listening and praying and listening. And that's what makes communication with God so sweet. Um, several years ago, I came to this understanding in my own life. We had a lot going on, and, and I had always thought of my prayer time as a specific time of the day where I would talk to God. And the more things that we had going on, the more I found myself talking to God when I wasn't in my prayer time. And it was just this ongoing conversation. And honestly, they didn't start with dear God and they didn't end with amen. It was just a conversation that as I was processing life, as I was thinking through the, the things that were weighing me down, I found myself processing them through the Bible and to my heavenly father. And that's that sweet spirit of prayer that God wants us to have. Now, how many of us say we live there all the time? We don't, Right. Because we get distracted, we get um, off course, we get uh, our minds on other things, but God's desire was, would be that we would stay in that place where we are, are having quality time with him, uh, where when we speak to him, it is, it is a value to us, and it's not just going through the same prayers over and over again. I, I shared with you, I don't know, within the last year that I got convicted over my prayer life again when I had one of the kids pray for either bedtime or dinner time, and they prayed the prayer that I always pray, and it's like, oh, <laughs> like, I've, I've taught my kids to, that prayer is just this thing that I do at these specific times, and I'm saying the same words over and over again, and when I pray now at night, I'm like, I'm deeply convicted over that, and so I'm, like, I think you could get to a fault on the other side, where it's like, I got to make up something new to pray about, that's wrong also, right, I'm not trying to impress my kids, but prayer needs to be real, it needs to be that my kids see that, hey, dad's not just saying, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the good day you gave us. Thank you that we had fun. Give the kids a good night to sleep. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. But we're praying about, thank you that Noah's baseball game went well. You know, be with Charlotte as she starts school tomorrow. Uh, help Olivia as she goes to the dentist. That, that we're praying about real things in their lives, that it's not just this formula that we're making our way through, but we're having a conversation with our Heavenly Father with a sincere heart, um, and in a way that is edifying to us. Um, what would you define, as you think about it, as quality time with God? If you were to give a definition to that statement, quality time with God, what would you say that is? Dave Littlefield. Yeah, no distractions. Uh, and that's hard in the day and age we live in. I liked Rand's illustration about going to your closet because your shoes won't talk to you and your sweaters won't tell you to quiet down, right? But there, there's some truth to that. We... I find myself often praying and, and my, my wrist will start to vibrate because I got a watch on that tells me when I get a text message or my phone will ding or um, somebody comes in the church or somebody comes in the bedroom at the house. And I, I do think there's an element of, of prioritizing prayer to the point that we are getting away. We're, we're finding a place where there is no distraction so that we can talk to God. Somebody else, quality time, Jessica.
That's great. I, I think the where you hit it on the head for me was just the idea of a purity in heart. Right? Like I, I'm just, I just want to talk to him. It's it's not of for selfish ambition, and it's not out of religious obligation. I just want to talk to God, and I think that's a good place to be. That brings quality time. Somebody else, when you think of quality time with God, what would come to your mind, Wendy? Yeah. That's great. Good thought. Anybody else? Just about um, the, the same idea of being pure in heart and, and being open and honest with God. And, and when the Spirit prompts you to pray, taking advantage of that moment um, that God has laid on your heart. So, good stuff. Kayla. Um, I will say that I remember my parents getting up every morning and having their prayer time and their Bible reading. And I will admit that I'm not perfect in that as a parent. But it did impact me. Like to see, I, I can think back when we used to travel up from Virginia and we would stay at my parents' house. I would get up and where would my parents be? My dad would be in his recliner reading his Bible and my mom would be on the couch reading her Bible and praying. And, and when he talked about that this morning, like I... I don't think we have to take everything, like, just because that was impactful on me doesn't mean it's going to fit your scenario perfectly, but I think going to what Kayla says, being intentional in that, and when you're intentional in that, people are going to notice the the effort that you're putting into it. And, you know, as a kid, they might not say anything till they're 38, but it will have an impact on them in some way. Somebody else? Bruce. Absolutely. Somebody had their hand up back here. Leah? (laughs) 
Yeah. 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 That's that's a great thought. <laughs> if it comes back to you, raise your hand. Um, so, Dave. That's good. Um, and so that, that, I think that gives us some good definitions of the idea of quality time. Um, what would you say then has been an obstacle in your prayer life? What's keeping you from having that quality time? Just the things we schedule yeah. ourselves to do. Sure. Sometimes we just keep them not. <laughs> it's okay to say no sometimes. Yeah. There you go. Somebody else? Jessica? That's good. That's good. Dave. Yeah. Oh, we're 
Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's just a second. Oh, you can go. Go ahead. Nope. <laughs> I totally get that. Like, you know, the, the old problem is God knows the desires of our hearts. Well, why do we have to tell him? Right? God knows everything. He knows what's in my heart and mind. Why do I, why do I have to spend time in prayer? Well, because he wants us to. He, he wants us to come to him as children because it shows dependence. It shows that we understand that he's the one who can do things about the things that we're praying about, right? And so it's, it's just showing that, that our dependence. I think for me, um, it goes along with what Dave was saying, is that there's often just, just distractions in my mind. It's not even always uh, the phone or a kid or anything. It's just your mind begins to wander. Dear God, thank you for this day. And before I say day, I'm thinking, okay, what do I have to do today? Oh, yeah, I got to do that, and then I'm going to do that, and then I got to go there and talk to this person. And it's like, well, I better wrap up my prayers. And it's like, well, I didn't even really pray, right? Like, I've, I've just thought about everything instead of actually communicating with God. Um, and so, so finding a way to limit those distractions. And I think that's what this book is going to help us. Um, it, it, there's a method in the book, and, and you can take one tonight and read it, and we'll talk about it next week. I don't want to get into it now because that's all I'll talk about. But I think it, it will help kind of drive your prayers in a, in a godly way um, while also at the same time helping you progress through your prayers, if that makes sense, so you don't get stuck. And it's, it's not wrong to get st- stuck in a spiritual sense of, or in a prayer sense of, like the, this burden on your heart that you continue to pray about, but at the stuckness that I think we often have is going back to what Elizabeth said, is that we, we just pray the same things over and over and over again without ever really conversing with God or broadening our perspective in prayer and it's, it's almost, God, we just need you to do this in Jesus' name, amen, rather than thinking through the possibilities of what God could do or what his will would be or what his wisdom would be on any given situation. And, and so I think it will be helpful and beneficial. Anybody else have anything uh, with, with obstacles in prayer life? I think as you get older, you can just become complacent. Sure. If it's in your marriage. Yeah. <laughs> he knows He's heard it all. <laughs> and we just don't ever want to do that in our marriage or yeah. in our relationship with God. We want to keep it that intimacy. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And so the, the last question, oh, Heidi. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good thought. And if there's anything to be obsessed with, um, it's him. It, it truly is. I, we, we live in a culture where obsession is applauded, right? Whatever you want to be obsessed about, that's good for you. And you can make that your life. And I think we're all guilty of being obsessed with something. 
And when you're obsessed with something, what do you do? Talk about it, you tell others about it, you think about it, you dream about it. Um, right, and so when you're obsessed with him, it, it changes things, you're, you're talking to him, right? It's, it's different, absolutely. Annie. Yeah. Um, so the final question before we dig into the first passage would be this. Um, wherever you rated yourself on the prayer scale, if you were given a task to create a formula that you could share with others how to grow in their prayer lives, how would you tell people to get from a 1 to a 2 or an 8 to a 9 or a 9 to a 10? How would you grow? Just falls off the list. Yeah. So prioritize it, right? Make make it a priority. Somebody else? Jessica. Yeah. 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 That's good. Leah. Yeah. That's good. Um, it was funny, as Rand was preaching this morning, some of the illustrations that he used uh, were illustrations that I was going to use, but the one that I will overlap on him was just this basic idea of, say, Dave and I just met, and how do you begin a conversation with somebody you just meet? Hey, hey Dave, I'm Dan. How are you? Yeah. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm Dave, by the way. Nice, nice to meet you. Um, where do you work? I uh, work over at Lake Champlain Chocolates. Did I hear you work around here somewhere? Yeah, I'm a pastor of a local church. Um, got any kids? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then fast forward, and Dave and I meet again. It's like, hey, Dave, how are you? Doing great. 
Um, I'm Dan. Where did you work? Lake Shore Play Chocolates. Yeah. Do you have kids? I can't remember. <laughs> and then fast forward another month, and isn't that oftentimes what our prayers are like? We're just saying the same things over and over and over and over again. And I agree with Annie that there's nothing wrong with repetition and praying for somebody who is sick or a situation that is heavy on your heart. But your deep intimacy with God, that's not in praying for other people. That, that is supplication or intercessions that you're making on behalf of others. But there should be a deepness to your walk with the Lord that when you pray to him, that it's more than the vain repetitions. It's more than just saying the same thing over and over again, but it's communing with him on a deep, in a deep way. And so it would, it would go, you know, oh, Dave, it's good to see you again. How are your kids doing? How, how's the job going? And then 20 years down the road, you know, I, I've been praying for your kids still, Dave. It, it's a depth of relationship versus every time you get together talking about the same thing over and over again. And so that's, that's the, the fault that I had with my kids, right? That's why they could repeat the prayer that I prayed at bedtime or at dinner time, because I was saying the same things over and over again, and I wasn't giving my kids a good picture of what a, a, communi- a real communication with God looked like. Prayer is not a process. It's not a formula that we just go through so we can get from point A to point B. It's a conversation. It, it's, a, as Bruce said, a deep and intimate conversation where truly you're, you're bearing your soul to the one who already knows the outcome of the situation and, and you're, you're laying yourself at his feet saying, God, I'm, I'm trusting you with this or I'm giving this to you or I'm praising you for this, understanding that you're the one who has caused all things to be. And I think when we begin to pray in that way, it, it does change our attitude towards God. It changes our attitude towards situations that we face in life. It changes our attitudes towards other people that may be a thorn in our flesh at times. It changes our attitudes towards situations that we want to get out of. When we, when we deeply come to God with a heart that is, is falling before him, as Heidi was saying, obsessed with him, um, but at the very same time knowing that he has everything under his control, that's a sweet place to be. And that's a person that we should want to talk to. And yet, I think if, if we were to, to rate ourselves publicly, we would all honestly say that we've got work to do because our prayer life is not what it should be. And so over the next couple of weeks, we are going to, we're going to, we're going to continue tonight for the next 20 minutes. And then uh, next week, we'll, we'll dive into this again. And I do hope that it'll be a help to you. I would encourage you to read the book that we're giving out. Um, it's not a long read, and I think it will be helpful. So the first thing I want to do tonight is turn to Matthew chapter 6 and uh, just look at the Lord's Prayer briefly. And then I have a couple other places I want to go um, that I think will be a help to us as well as we think about the types of prayer um, in, in the Word of God. So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse number 9, uh, this is Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And um, we always say if, if Jesus is speaking in the Bible, it's a good thing to listen to, right? And so as he gives us this, this model prayer, it's often called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I, I like the model prayer better. I think the Lord's Prayer is John 17, which we'll see later probably. But as he gives us this model prayer, um, he says this, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. He doesn't say with these exact words, right? He says, after this manner. And I think that's important for us to understand because there's, there's a, a, a way to pray that God has given to us. There's a, a, there's a, a 
pathway in prayer, so to speak, and it's not a formula or a process, but there's an outline that is good for us to follow, and we don't have to follow it specifically, but Jesus is saying, hey, when you pray, these are some good things to include in your prayer. There's some good postures to have in your prayer life, and so he goes on and says, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I read through this prayer this week, the the things that popped out in my mind, and and we can discuss each of them, um, the first one was just this simple idea of rejoicing in prayer. When's the last time that you just rejoiced in prayer that your Father is the God of the universe? How does he begin the prayer? Our Father, which art in heaven. Who are you speaking to? Do you, do you rejoice in that in your heart, in your soul? When you read the Psalms and the, the prayers of David or the other psalmists, there's a deep rejoicing even in times of great difficulty because they understand who they're praying to. And so when, when Jesus says pray after the, in, this, in this way or after this manner, our Father which art in heaven, it's not like, oh, hey, Dad, how you doing? It's our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You are holy above all, above everyone. And you've allowed me to come into your presence in this moment. I think there's a, another sign of rejoicing or a passage of rejoicing in, in this section um, where, where Jesus says in the prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Jesus is, is saying, hey, when you pray and you're, you're outlining your prayer, have a rejoicing spirit again that, that his kingdom and his power and his glory are forever. What does that mean? Well, Jesus tells us that we're going to share in his glory one day. And so that means we're going to experience this for when? For all of eternity. And so as we come to God in prayer, having a rejoicing spirit, even at a time in life where we're grieving in our hearts, is appropriate. Um, And so I would ask us tonight, do, do we rejoice in our prayer life? When we're bringing our heavy burdens before him, do we rejoice in the simple fact that we get to bring these things before him? Do we rejoice in the fact that that his kingdom is progressing even in the midst of of great difficulties in our lives or in the lives of those around us. Um, So our Father which art in heaven, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There's rejoicing. There's also worship, and the two could go hand in hand. But when Jesus says, hallowed be thy name, that's a, a spirit of reverential worship before the one that you're praying to. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. What is it that the the angels repeat in Isaiah 6? Holy, holy, holy. It's this mindset or this understanding that we're coming to the presence of one that we don't deserve to come into his presence because he's holy and in and of ourselves we are not. You think of the book of Esther when Esther wanted to go before her own husband. Why was she worried? Because she hadn't been invited in. But we have been invited in. He, He bids us to come. He desires that we come, and it should be with a rejoicing and a worshipful heart as we come to him. And I I do think that this applies to whatever type of prayer you're praying. You can come with rejoicing, and you can come with worship. Your rejoicing and worship may not be with uplifted hands and a smile on your face. It may be with a heavy heart, but you can still come with a spirit or an attitude of worship and rejoicing because of who you're coming to. 
He, he gives us a model of, of showing our dependence in prayer. He says, give us this day our daily bread, and he says, deliver us from evil. It's appropriate when you go to God in prayer to recognize the simple fact that we need him. Uh, Dave Littlefield says it all the time, we're a needy people. Why does he say that? Because we're a needy people, right? We need our Heavenly Father. We need Him to intervene in our life. We need His wisdom. We need His guidance. Uh, we need the daily bread that He provides. And I, I say this all the time. You know, we think we have what we have because of who we are. But the only reason we have anything we have is because of who God is. Because of His gracious mercy and abundant mercy that He's poured out upon us. Give us this day our daily bread. Deliver us from evil. Thanksgiving. Again, we could go back to our Father, just this attitude that we're thanking God for coming into His presence. Um, there's an idea of, of intercessory prayer. Um, as we forgive our debtors, Jesus says, praying for others that have, have wronged you, that's intercessory prayer. Praying for others that, that you're upset with, praying for others who are going through a different, difficult time. Uh, there's an attitude of repentance in this prayer that Jesus gives. Forgive us our own debts. Um, who... Who understands that when you pray, there should be a portion of your prayer life that is saying, hey, God, search me and know me from the inside out. Don't just see what everybody else sees. And we know that God doesn't just see what everybody else sees. But it's almost in our, our prayer of repentance saying, hey, God, point out in me what I haven't even seen yet. Who has blind spots at times to their own sins? Yeah, we all do. So when we, we come to God in that way, that attitude of repentance is laying those things before him. Um, I think there's, there's a, an appropriate um, perspective to have as we lament, as we forgive, as we ask for forgiveness of our debts. Um, there's a lament in a, a brokenheartedness over situations that are out of your control. There's a, a lament in understanding the, the, the difficulties that other people are facing. I, I think if we had true lament in our prayers... Then, then we would probably go to God more often because we understand that we can bear our souls to him in a way that nobody else would understand or be able to do anything with. There's an element of faith. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, and then again, he says, for, thine is the king, or for thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so there's this element of faith that, God, we're going to follow you in, in everything that you have for us. And so as Jesus outlines this, this uh, way to pray, as he says, pray in this manner, he gives us a, a, a model that we should follow after and, and we should strive to have some of these things, if not all of these things, in our, our everyday prayers that we pray. Um, if you were to rate your prayer life in 1 to 10 by saying that you incorporate these things into your daily prayer life, um, where would you fall then? Because I said earlier, I think sometimes our prayer life is oftentimes mostly just asking. And it's not wrong to ask. He's told us to come and ask. Don't you want your kids to come and ask for things when they need them from you? Who's ever seen a kid make a mess of something because they did it on their own rather than asking for help? And so God desires that we come and ask. But even in our asking, there's this element of, of worshipful, reverential, hallowedness, of, of thanksgiving and worship and praise as we come before God, understanding who he is and what he is capable to do. And, and what is God capable of doing? Everything. And so why wouldn't we run to him with our requests? Why wouldn't we go to him? There are 
uh, many types of prayer, some of the ones we, we've touched on tonight already, many types of prayer in the Bible, and I, I, do, I do want to look at a couple of them tonight um, and, and just briefly um, talk about them before we wrap things up and, and go our separate ways. Um, the first one is just simply praising God. Um, again, don't answer this, but when's the last time that you just spent time praising God over a long period of time in your prayer life? I think we all throw up the, the quick prayer, oh, thank you, God. And I think that's appropriate, right? It's appropriate to say thank you, God, when good things happen. But when's the last time you just sat there and, and thought through your heart and mind, thought through the situations that you were facing in life, and just praised God? Turn to Psalm 148. It says this. I'm going to read the whole psalm as you turn there. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun, moon, uh, sun and moon, praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens above, uh, of, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever, and hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all the deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all the people, uh, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above all heaven and earth. He also exalteth the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near unto him. Praise ye the Lord. Have you ever just talked to God like that? God, I, I praise your name because of this situation and what you've been doing. I praise you for the way that you created the earth. I praise you for the way that you're working in this person's life. I, I do find it interesting oftentimes in prayer when we pray about people, it's often for a negative thing and not giving thanks for the good things that you've been doing in their life. And why is that? I think sometimes it's, it's a, a jealousy that we don't even recognize in our own hearts. That, God, I, I wish you had done that for me. And so instead of giving thanks for what God has been doing for them, we, we don't even talk about it at all because it might be a sore spot for us. But the psalmist is saying, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for what he's done in this situation. He's calling all of creation to praise the Lord. And you know which part of creation struggles the most to praise the Lord? It would be us. Because the birds, when they lift up their voices, what are they doing? They're praising the Lord. And the wind, when it blows, what's it doing? It's praising the Lord. And the trees, when they grow from a seedling, what are they doing? They're praising the Lord. And so as that psalm was written, it's a call for us to see that everything around us is doing what God commanded it to do, and yet where, how are we doing in that endeavor? And so he says, praise the Lord. Um, turn to Psalm 51. We know that praise should be a part of our lives. Um, but certainly, we, we touched on this a moment ago, and we've touched on this before. We're not going to spend a lot of time here. Psalm 51 is a psalm of repentance. And, I, and again, I, I think we probably do spend some time praising God. I think we probably do spend some time in repentance. But is it, is it in the way that David prayed his prayer of repentance in Psalm 51? We know what David had done, uh, a treacherous situation, had a man killed because of the reality that he couldn't control his own sinful flesh. And yet in, in Psalm 51, um, 
as David had been called out for his sin, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Do you know what David doesn't say in that psalm, in that first verse? Have mercy upon me because of who I am. Why? Because David wouldn't deserve mercy. He says, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And you know what David is doing in that passage? He's reminding God of what God has already promised to do. Do you know it's not a, it's not a bad thing to remind God that we know what he's already told us? Not so that he's forced to do it, because God's always going to do what's right. But you know what it shows? That we actually have an understanding of who he is and who we are. It's showing our, our humility before him, uh, understanding that we don't deserve it, but this is what he's promised to do. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. You know what's hard for me at times? To acknowledge my transgressions. But that's what repentance is. It's saying, God, this is where I have gone astray. And I need you to wash me. I need you to clean me. I need you to pour your tender mercies out upon me so that I can do differently. Because if God doesn't pour his tender mercy upon me and his loving kindness on me, guess what path I'm going to continue to walk in? The one that I'm currently repenting over. And yet when I recognize his forgiveness, his, his love, his unceasing mercy towards me, it gives me hope to take the next step away from where I currently am. And so acknowledging our sin before God. I think even in prayer, sometimes we're embarrassed to say the sins that we've actually done. But do you know that it's not just an old saying that confession truly is good for the soul? That to verbalize the thing that you've actually done, it's important. It's important if you're having an, an argument with somebody, you know at some point you've got to actually admit what you've done was wrong so why wouldn't that be true with God as well? Well, he knows my heart. Certainly he knows your heart. And if you're not willing to acknowledge what you've done wrong, he knows your heart, right? He, he understands that there's still a stubbornness in there that you're not letting go of. So he says, I acknowledge my sin my, or my transgression. My sin is ever before me. And then he goes in verse four and says, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. We know that David sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah and all of Israel. But who did he ultimately sin against? sinned against God. And so every sin that we commit, I think it's appropriate to say that ultimately that sin is against God. For he's the only one who's just. He's the only, only one who's righteous. Um, we won't continue to go through this, this psalm, but as you, go, as you do read through it in your own time, and I would encourage you to do it, David begins the psalm with, with recognizing and acknowledging the sin that he had committed, the wickedness in his own heart. And as he ends the psalm, what does he say? That he wants to teach others the ways of the Lord. That he wants to teach others from the mistakes that he has made. And how many of us have mistakes in our lives that others could benefit from learning from? We all do. So we don't talk about our sins in a boastful way. I know um, one parent, um, you, you don't know him, but one parent like unloaded on his kid one day every sin that he ever committed, every wrongdoing that he'd ever done. As a, as a young teenager, I'm like, why did you just do that? Like, you, you have just opened your child's mind to say, well, dad did it, right? I, I think it's appropriate if your son or daughter is struggling with something to say, hey, yeah, I've struggled with this too, 
but you don't have to hit all the details, right? You don't have to tell every area that you went down. There can be honesty and transparency, um, but when we, when we talk about our sins, it can almost become boastful at times. But David said, I, I want others to learn from my mistakes. I want to teach them your ways. And so there, there's praise, there's repentance. Um, turn to Psalm 46, just a couple pages over. Um, Psalm 46, there, there's a, a cry of dependence. Psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried away into the midst of the sea. Would that be a scary situation to be in? The earth being removed and the mountains being carried into the sea? Certainly it would be. But what does he start the psalm with? That in those times, God is our refuge. When it seems like the whole world is falling apart, that he's the one that we cling to. And so there's, there's this idea in prayer sometimes that in our prayer to God, we're reminding ourselves that we're dependent on Him. God, you're my refuge. You're my strength. You're the rock that I depend on. You're the one that I cling to. When's the last time we've prayed like that? When's the last time we, we sat down and had that conversation with God? That, that, God, we know you're the constant in our lives when everything else is shifting, when everything else is changing. In Psalm 55 there's lament and, and suffering. This was not suffering because of sin, but this was suffering because of the wickedness of those around him. And the, the psalmist cries out, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. Does it almost sound like there's a begging there? There is. God, I need you. I need you to hear my prayer right now. And it's not saying that God wasn't listening but what he's saying is, God, I recognize that you're my only hope in this situation. Um, I think we find ourselves praying like this in tragedy, don't we? God, if, if anything or if anyone can do anything about this, we know that you can, and so we need you now. But when do we actually need God? Every day. Every single day of our lives. And so this idea of, of showing our, our dependence or, or then in Psalm 55, lamenting, over the, the suffering that we're facing in this life, certainly those are all parts of, of what our prayer should be. Um, we don't have time to turn there. Um, maybe we'll start here next time, maybe not. But if, if you have time tonight, and I would encourage you to make time, read through John 17, which is, it is the Lord's Prayer. As Jesus is praying for his disciples, as he's praying for those that the Father had given him, as he's praying for those that would hear later on down the road and come. Jesus was praying for us in that prayer. And his prayer would be that, that we would be in this world, but not of this world. Has it ever occurred to you that Jesus has prayed, and I believe he still does pray, intercessory prayers for his brothers and sisters, which is us? That's special. What does he tell Peter? Peter, Satan has desired to sift you, to have you, that he would sift you as wheat but I have prayed for you. To understand that the Lord has prayed for us is, is a, a beautiful thing. And then um, I would encourage you also to read Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, which is Paul's prayer for the church. Um, if you want a fun study sometime, just go through and read Paul's prayers for the church. That's God's heart for the church. That our minds would be open, that we would have understanding, that we would be growing and and walking in unity and oneness as we're filled with the Spirit. And so 
as we think through the, the different types of prayers, and certainly we didn't spend as much time on them as we wanted to, um, those psalms, again, if you want to write them down, 148, Psalm 51, Psalm 46, Psalm 55, John 17, and Ephesians 1, I would ask you, again, the question, as you evaluate your prayer life, and as I evaluate my prayer life, do my prayers reflect the prayers of the Bible? Do my prayers reflect the prayers of the Bible? If you struggle in prayer, your prayer life, there's a couple, couple things to help. Um, in, in simple format or simple manner, there's the, the 3R reproach. Um, it's, it's just simply rejoice, repent, and request. Every day when you pray, spend some time rejoicing. Every day when you pray, spend some time repenting. And every day when you pray, spend some time requesting. There's also the ACTS acronym, which is Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. And as we, again, as we think about our prayer lives, I think, I do think that a lot of us, if we're honest, would say that our prayer lives are most, mostly centered on the requests or the supplication. And I would say, I would say the Bible argues to say that, that we should probably spend a little bit of time or a lot of bit of time in the adoration or the praise, uh, in the confession, in the thanksgiving. Um, the Bible says that if we regard iniquity in our heart, that the Lord will not hear us. That's a sobering thought. And so why wouldn't we want to start our prayers with a spirit of confession or a spirit of repentance? Because um, if we don't, I think in some sense our, our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, right? And that's certainly not what we want. And so as, as you think about your prayer life, remember it's not as much the quantity as it is the quality. And I think if we follow some of these examples that we've seen, especially as we follow the Lord's Prayer, um, I think it's beneficial for us to follow that model because it, it gets some of each of these things into our prayer life in a daily basis. Um, that's all the time we have tonight. I'm sorry, I wish we had longer to open it up for discussion. But let's, let's just spend a minute in prayer. And then I have one final question for you. And I don't want your feedback right now. I want you to tell me later what you think. But let's close in a word of prayer. God, we do love you, and we are thankful for the opportunity that we have to come to your house tonight to open your word, to talk about this idea of prayer. And God, I, I do pray that we would evaluate our prayer lives even now to think um, of how we're doing in this gift that you have given us. Certainly, I think we all have admitted that we feel stuck at times. We, we probably even, if we're honest, get bored uh, in our prayer lives. But as we've looked to your word, God, as we've seen the model prayer from Christ, as we've seen the prayers in the Psalms, as we talk about the prayer of Christ in John 17 and Paul's prayers, and certainly there's many other places that we could go to, God, I think if we study those things, then our prayer lives will become something that is a blessing to us. God, help us to remember that, that you are holy, that your name is above all other names, that you have power and might and wisdom and strength that nobody else can possess. But at the very same time, God, you've told us in James that when we lack wisdom to come to you and you'll give it to us, that when we feel alone, you are present. God, that when we're scared, you're the, you're the one who has sent the comforter. And so I pray that our time spent with you in prayer would be intimate. It would be 
encouraging, it would be strengthening, it would be convicting, it would be uplifting as we, as we just sit in your presence understanding again who you are. Help us, God, to, to desire to pray. Help us to be like the disciples who asked the question, Lord, teach us to pray. And as they saw Christ lifting up his eyes to heaven on so many occasions, certainly they saw something that, that they wanted. And God, may we want that very thing as well. So we thank you again. We pray you give us a good night as we leave. Help us to be mindful of these things in the week ahead. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, pray too. Do you pray to the Father? Do you pray to the Son? Do you pray to the Spirit? Do you pray to one? Do you pray to all three? Who do you address as you open up your prayer life? I, I have a belief on this. I was talking to somebody else about this recently. Fun conversation to have. Um, but I'll be curious to hear what you have to say. Not right now, though. So enjoy your night.